ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so today then starting on babu ma jaa fi nushrah anybody want to read المصنف رحمه الله باب ما جاء في النشره عن جابر ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سئل عن النشره فقال هي من عمل الشيطان رواه احمد بسند جيد وابو داود وقال سئل احمد عنها فقال ابن مسعود يكره هذا كله وفي البخاري عن قتادة قلت لابن المصيب رجل به طب أو يؤخذ عن رؤتي أيحل عنه أو ينشر قال لا بأس به إنما يريدون به الإسلاح فأما, من ينفع فأما ما ينفع فلم ينه عنه انتهى وروي عن الحسن لا يقل السحر إلا ساحر قال ابن القيم النشر حل السحر عن المسهور وهي نوعات حل بسحر مثله وهو الذي من عمل الشيطان وعليه يحمل قول الحسن فيتقرب الناشر والمنتشر إلى الشيطان بما يحب فيبطل عمله عن المسهور والثاني النشرة برقية والتعوذات والدعوات والأدوية المباحة فهذا جائز So here then now we have باب ما جاء في النشرة This chapter is carrying on with the same theme as the previous few chapters regarding magic magic and sorcery sorcerers fortune tellers this chapter is continuing upon that theme yet and it says babu ma jaa fi the chapter regarding what has been mentioned about nushra nushra in a nutshell is removing magic off someone curing a person removing the magic that's been done to them via certain methods that are going to be mentioned in the chapter but the basic meaning of a nushra is the removal of that magic the curing of that magic from the one who has had it done to them so a sheikh al-fawzan says مناسبة هذا الباب لما قبله The relevance of this chapter 
to the one before it, أَنَّ الشَّيْخَ لَمَّا ذَكَرَ فِي الْأَبْوَابِ السَّابِقَةِ السِّحْرِ وَمَا جَاءَ فِيهِ وَذَكَرَ أَنْوَاعٍ مِنَ السِّحْرِ وَذَكَرَ مَا يَعُمُّ السِّحْرِ وَغَيْرَهُ مِنَ عَمَالِ الشَّيَاطِينِ وَهُوَ الْكِهَانَةِ وَالْعِرَافَةِ وَكُلُّ مَا هُوَ مِنْ هَذَا الْقَبِيلِ مِنَ الشَّعْوَذَاتِ انْتَقَلَ إِلَى بَيَانِ حُكْمِ النُّشْرَةِ the connection between this chapter and the previous chapters is obvious. The previous chapters have been talking about magic and about sorcery, fortune tellers, all of those types of activities connected to that issue. So now, after having mentioned all of those things and that magic is something that occurs in reality, and that a person can be afflicted with it, and that sorcery occurs, and all of those things, they occur. And these chapters have been talking about them, and that they are kufr and shirk, and the method that they use with the shayateen, all of that has been mentioned. So now this chapter speaks about how to help someone who has been afflicted by that magic, how to cure someone who has been afflicted by that magic, how to remove it from them, how to treat them. That is what this chapter is going to mention and touch upon. So the chapter that will speak about what has been mentioned in the sunnah about nushrah about removing that magic from someone, alleviating that person from that magic. And the Sheikh says, وَهَذَا فِي غَايَةِ الْمُنَاسَبَةِ لِأَنَّ النَّاسِ فِي حَاجَةٍ إِلَى مَعْرِفَةِ ذَلِكَ Because people are in need of knowing that, of knowing what to do, if somebody is afflicted with magic, how to help that person, how to cure that person, how to remove the magic from that person. The people are in need of knowing this, the Sheikh says. Because magic, no doubt, it is present and it does occur. That does not mean that a person begins to believe that anything and everything that happens, it must be magic. It's like a Shaykh al-Athaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, sometimes people get a cold, they get a fever, they get a little bit ill, a standard fever or cold, and they say it's magic. Someone has done magic to me. And nothing of the nature has occurred. You have a cold. You have a fever, you'll be okay in a few days. There's nothing wrong. A standard illness that occurs. And the people begin to attribute everything to magic. No, it must be magic. It's magic that's been done. And the sheikh said, this is not befitting for people to have this mentality, this weak mentality. Anything and everything that happens, it's got to be someone. He did it, that person, magic, this magic, that. That isn't the way. But that doesn't mean to say that magic doesn't exist. It exists 
and it does occur. So the people are in need of knowing what to do when genuinely magic is the issue that occurs. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يُبْتَلَى بِهِ وَيَقَعُ عَلَيْهِ السِّحْرُ وَيَتَضَرَّرُ بِهِ And there are people who are afflicted with magic and they are harmed by it. As we mentioned, even the Prophet ﷺ, it was decreed that he had magic done upon him. And it mentions in the seerah that he was what we call these days hallucinating. That he was seeing things or, or perceiving things that weren't in reality there. They weren't existing. But he was seeing or perceiving things to be and they were not. So that occurred. Wallahu ta'ala ma anzala da'an illa anzala lahu shifa. And Allah has not revealed any illness except that he has revealed a cure to it. Those who know it, that cure, they know it. And those who do not, they do not. فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ نَعْرِفَ مَا هُوَ الدَّوَاءُ الصَّحِيحِ لِلصَّحْرِ So then Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, We must therefore recognize and understand and know what is the correct cure and treatment for magic. How do we deal with magic? الدواء الذي لا يمص العقيدة ونعرف أيضا من يخالف العقيدة فنتجنبه The medicine or the cure that does not in any way infringe upon the aqidah. Because as we are going to see, there is a topic of discussion that exists. Is it permissible to cure magic of someone using other magic? And as we'll come to see, many of the scholars, they say that is not permissible. So the Sheikh says here then, هناك من السحر من يقول للناس أنا عالج السحر. That there are magicians out there who will say to you that I can cure the magic on such and such with my magic that I can do. My magic will negate and nullify and neutralize that other magic that's been done. And so the Shaykh is highlighting that a person needs to be wary and take precaution from individuals of this nature. It is not permissible to use and utilize their services. Come and do your magic to remove that other magic. فَهَذَا أَمْرٌ وَاقِعٌ لَا بُدَّ مِنْ مَعْرِفَتِهِ وَبَيَانِ حِكْمِهِ لِلنَّاسِ So this is something that exists. Magic exists and it occurs. So these affairs have to be understood how to deal with that and to clarify the rulings of these matters to the people. So then he says, An-Nushrah. That's the title of the chapter, An-Nushrah. Ma'khudha min al-Nashr wa huwa tafriq It is taken from the word An-Nashr. 
which means to to spread out. It's like, for example, if you had glitter, the glitter, the kids thing, arts and crafts glitter. If there was a pile of glitter that fell onto your book, you would want to blow that away and get it all off and spread it off the book. That is basically the meaning of the verb nashara, to spread out. So just like if you had, for example, just an example, glitter fell on your book, you would blow it away and wipe it away and clear all your book away. That is nushra. You are now clearing it out. And that's the meaning of it in this context. You are clearing out that magic from the person. That is the meaning of an nushra. وَهِيَ كَمَا فَسَّرَهَا الْإِمَامُ ibn al-Qayyim And as al-Imam ibn al-Qayyim rahimahu Allah ta'ala mentioned, and we mentioned this benefit before, I'm sure. Is it ibn al-Qayyim or is it ibn al-Qayyim? With an alif and lam or without an alif and lam? Ibn al-Qayyim or ibn al-Qayyim? Ibn al-Qayyim with alif and lam? Ma'arrafa. Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn al-Qayyim. His name Ibn al-Qayyim, and then at the end they say Al Ibn al-Qayyim Al Al Jauzi Al Jauziya. So is it which one? Ibn al-Qayyim or Ibn al-Qayyim? Here we said Ibn al-Qayyim. Anybody else? تحتمل الاثنين Ibn al-Qayyim وعرفة Ibn al-Qayyim الجوزية أو Ibn al-Qayyim الجوزية. Almost, almost. Uh huh. Ibn al-Qayyim الجوزية. Uh huh. So if you say just Ibn al-Qayyim and you don't say Al-Jawziyah at the end you're just going to say Ibn al-Qayyim then it's with an Alif al-Nam Ibn al-Qayyim but if you're going to say Al-Jawziyah at the end then it's without the Alif al-Nam because it's Mudaf Mudaf ilayhi Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyah because that's not the name Qayyim what is it? Qayyim al-Jawziyah that's not a name what is it? No, no, what is it? What was that? That's the homework for this week. What, what is the... Ibn al-Qayyim, Qayyim al-Qayyim and Qayyim al-Jawziyah, that's not a name. It's not Khalid or Amr or Ali. What is that? It's not even a name? No, but okay, everybody, it's going to be a homework. It's a homework. What, what does his name mean? That's not even a name. They aren't names. It's not like Khalid, Umar. They aren't names. Qayyim, Jawzi. There's more to it. There's a story behind that name. Anybody who can find that story, what that name means and why he is called that, then bonus points for you next week. Imaginary bonus points. Whoever can find the reason why Ibn al-Qayyim is known as that. What is it? Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyyah. What was al-Jawziyyah? What was Qayyim? What does it mean? That's the homework for this week. Everybody hears the name every... All the time, books and lectures, and everywhere you hear his name. Hmm. No, the kunya is either Abu Fulan or Ibn Fulan. Yeah. But this is Ibn Qayyim al Jawziyyah. Jawziyyah is a makan. Abu Kan Qayyim, al Muqim ala had al makan. But then uh, that's the homework. So then. هنا وقوله نعم كما قال ابن القيم حل السحر عن المسحور 
that it is to cure the magic from the one who has had it done to them. And it is a type of cure. سُمِّيَ نُشْرَهُ لِأَنَّهُ يُنْشَرُ بِهِ أَيْ يُزَالُ مَا أَصَابَ الْمَرِيضِ وَمَا خَامَرَهُ مِنَ الدَّعْ So you are removing and dispelling from the ill person that which he has been afflicted by. وَقَوْلُهُ فِي حَدِيهِ جَابِرْ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ سُئِلَ عَنِ النُّشْرَهُ أي النشرة المعهودة في الجاهلية وهي التي كانت من عمل الشيطان So in jahiliya they used to have a form of nushra where they would remove the magic of someone using certain techniques but the techniques they used to use in jahiliya were basically removing the magic by the utilization and support and aid of the Shayateen. That was the method they used to use in Jahiliya, a method that is, of course, impermissible. That's the method they used to use in Jahiliya to remove the magic and help that person by using the Shayateen and doing whatever they did with that to remove the magic. That's what was known. So in the hadith, when it says, Su'ila anin nushra. That the Prophet ﷺ was asked about this nushrah, then it's talking about the nushrah that existed in Jahiliyyah. That is the context here. He was being asked about the Jahiliyyah form of nushrah, of how they used to cure a person who had magic on them by using the shayateen to try and remove that magic. Faqal. So when he was asked about that type of the nushra, the jahiliya type, he said, "Hiya min amali shaytan." That is from the workings of the shaytan. That is from the the techniques and the the work of the shaytan. Le'annaha sihr because it was just magic. They were using forms of magic to remove other magic. لأنها سحر والسحر من عمل الشيطان كما مر في الأبواب السابقة. And magic is from the workings of the shaytan as we've already seen in previous chapters. So here رواه الإمام أحمد في مسنده بسند جيد وأبو داود في سننه وقال أي أبو داود لأن أبا داود من تلاميذ الإمام أحمد وروى عنه كثيرا من المسائل في المذهب الإمام أبو داود he was from the students of الإمام أحمد الإمام أبو داود سنن أبي داود الإمام أبو داود is from the students of الإمام أحمد and also in terms of the age you can see as well الإمام أحمد died when Two forty one and Al Imam Abu Dawood died. Al Imam Abu Dawood died. Fifty one, just a number off the top of your head. Just in case you get it right. 
Al-Imam Abu Dawood, anyone know? Two seventy-nine. Seventy-one. He's googling it now, so he's gonna tell us in a minute. <laughs> Two seventy-five. So he died thirty years or so after Al Imam Ahmad. He's from his students. So now then. It mentions that Al-Imam Abu Dawood reported many affairs from his Sheikh Al-Imam Ahmed and there is even a book that is printed Yujad Al-An Mujallad Matbu' Ismuhu Masail Abu Dawood wa hiya al-masail allati rawaha Abu Dawood min ajwibati al-Imam Ahmed ala al-as'ila allati taridu alayh There is a book where it mentions Masail Abi Dawood, the, 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 the Q&A, the questions and the issues and the topics from Abu Dawood. But they are basically Q&A kind of thing with answers from Al-Imam Ahmad. It's a book where Abu Dawood has compiled answers from Al-Imam Ahmad upon questions that he was asked. So, here it mentions that Al-Imam Abu Dawood said, Su'ila Ahmad, that Al-Imam Ahmad was asked, Su'ila Al-Imam Ahmad anha, meaning ani nushra. So Al-Imam Abu Dawood is telling us that Al-Imam Ahmad was asked about nushra, about the removal of magic using these various techniques. Ma hukmuha? And in particular, this again is in reference to from the times of Jahiliyyah and those kinds of practices that they used to use. فقال, so he said, Ibn Mas'ud yakrahu hadha kullahu. That Abdullah ibn Mas'ud yakrahu hadha. What does that mean? Yakrahu hadha. Kariha yakrahu. In English you say, to hate or to detest. But in the, in the context of the Salaf, almost default is that it means كان يحرم كان يكره هذا كله أي يحرم النشرة لأن السلف يريدون بالكراهة التحريم والمراد النشرة التي هي من عمل الجاهلية So when Al-Imam Ahmed was asked about the Nushra that they used to perform in Jahiliya which is basically curing magic with other magic, using the shayateen to do so, he replied by saying, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to declare that to be haram. He used to declare that to be haram. And there's some other narrations from Al-Imam Ahmed, where they said to him that the people, they have this technique where they get a bowl of water, list, a bowl, some type of vessel, and they put water in it. And they put that on the head of the one who has the magic upon him, the one who has had the magic done to him, lies down and they put this bowl with water on his head. And then they add um, like uh, lead or, or graphite, some type of material into that water. And then they say that material kind of 
shifts into shape all of that lead imagine like you know oil on top of water it's a separate consistency that all comes together into the appearance of a face and it's the appearance of the face who's done the magic upon the person they mentioned it's in some of the other uh, 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 narrations regarding Imam Ahmed they said uh, they put this water on the one who the magic has been done to then they add this like lead or, or some material of that nature uh, graphite to these things and then that all moves into an appearance of a face in the water and when they said that to Imam Ahmed he said um, his words were along the lines of لا أدري, لا أدري Along those lines, I don't know what this is, what is this, what is that supposed to be? Meaning he rejected it, he rejected that type of behavior. Then after that we have, so that's the first narration, the first narration highlighting to us clearly that the nushra that was performed in jahiliyyah is impermissible. By the statement of the Prophet himself, and also from the Salaf you can see Imam Ahmed, quoting Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, declaring it to be haram. And remember, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was also the one who took the opinion regarding the tama'im that all of them are haram. As Ibrahim al nakhai mentioned in that part, كَانُوا يَكْرَهُونَ التَّمَائِمْ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ وَمِنْ غَيْرِ الْقُرْآنِ Whether it was Qur'an or other than Qur'an, they used to declare those impermissible, all of them. So, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud we have, and then after that from the Salaf al-Imam Ahmed we have also, or from the Imams of that time, all of them declaring that form of curing the magic, using the shayateen, etc. is impermissible. Then, وفي Bukhari عن قتادة قلت, يعني قتادة قلت لابن المسيب رجل به طب أو يؤخذ عن امرأته أيحل عنه أو ينشر قال لا بأس به إنما يريد به الإصلاح فأما ما ينفع فلم ينهى عنه Now then in Al-Bukhari we have this narration from قتادة قتادة ابن دعامة السدوسي نسبة إلى جده سدوس وكان من أكبر علماء التابعين قتادة famous قتادة ابن دعامة السدوسي from the greatest of the scholars of the tabi'een the generation after the companions ويقال إنه ولد أكمه يعني ليس له عينان وكان نادرا في الحفظ والذكاء والفقه رحمه الله حتى كان من كبار التابعين and it's mentioned that he was blind, born blind, and that he was a rarity. He was someone unique and rare in his level of memorization and his level of intelligence and his level of comprehension and understanding until he became one of the senior scholars from the Tabi'een. He says, Qatada says, Qultu libn al-Musayyib that I said to Ibn al-Musayyib, another one of the famous Salaf, al-Muradu bihi Sa'id Ibn al-Musayyib, ahadu a'alam al-Tabi'een wa ahadu al-Fuqaha al-Sab'a al-Ladhi nantahat 
إليهم الفتوى في زمانهم وهو عالم المدينة وفقيهها ابن المصيب another one of the great and famous uh, personalities of the Salaf and he is one of the great tabi'een also known as one of the seven fuqaha who fatwa was sought from who the people used to return to one of the seven fuqaha who the people used to return to for fatwa and he was recognized and known as an alim of medina as a scholar as the scholar of medina and an alim of medina the alim of medina at his time so it was said to him rajulun bihi tib that there is a person who has magic upon him. That's what they mean by tib here. But then why would they say tib? Tib is more like cure almost. It's talking about medicine and cure, not disease and illness. So why would they use the phrase rajulun bihi tib? A man who has medicine and cure, like it's optimistic he's going to get well. When actually you're talking about the fact that he's diseased and ill, they say that they would use this phrase, "Atib ma'anahu as-sihr yuqalu matbub, yani mashur." Qalu hada min bab al-tafaul, li'anna atib ma'anahu al-ilaj, kama yaqulun lil-ladig salim, min bab al-tafaul bi-shifa. So the reason why they use this phrase in Arabic and they say somebody has tib, that he has medicine or cure or almost like he's getting better, when actually what you mean to say is he's ill and diseased. But they use the phrase of tib in optimism, in optimism of that person's state, that inshallah he will be cured and he will have medicine, he will become better. As a means of optimism they use that phrase when actually the intention here is that he's got magic done to him. Rajalun bihi tib. That he has magic that's been done to him. This is like kama yaqulun al-ladir. The one who has been stung. The one who's been stung by something poisonous. They will say he is salim. Salim meaning you're healthy. You're good and healthy. But he's been stung by something poisonous. You're obviously not good and healthy. But again, it is from the optimism that inshallah, he will be good and healthy, he'll recover from that poisonous sting. So, Ibn al-Musayyib, one of the famous and great tabi'een, was asked about a man who has had magic done to him. Oh, or about a person, يُؤَخَّذُ عَنِ امْرَأَتِهِ a person, again, due to the forms of magic, etc., has been afflicted with that magic to the extent that he is no longer able to have intercourse with his wife, despite the fact that he is fit and healthy and no problem. He's fit and healthy and no problem, but he is unable to have intercourse with his wife due to this magic that has uh, been placed upon him. So then Ibn al-Musayyib was asked, in those circumstances, a man who has had magic done to him, a man who is no longer able to have intercourse with his wife due to that magic, a person afflicted by magic, 
أَيُحَلُّ عَنْهُ أَوْ يُنْشَرُ المعنى واحد that can you do the nushrah upon him is it permissible to do the nushrah upon him to use these techniques to remove that magic from him أَيُحَلُّ عَنْهُ أَوْ يُنْشَرُ بمعنى واحد يحل وينشر بمعنى واحد يعني هل يجوز أن يحل عن هذا المطبوب أو هذا المؤخذ ما أصابه Is it permissible to do the forms of nushrah The removal and the treatment of magic upon him To cure him from that magic فأجابه ابن المصيب رحمه الله بقوله لا بأس لا بأس أن يحل عنه أو ينشر أو ينشر That is it permissible to do that nushra? He said, no problem. No problem. You can do so. No problem. And then he mentioned, قَوْلُهُ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُونَ بِهِ الْإِصْلَاحِ That they are only intending rectification via it. A man has had magic done to him. He is unable to have intimacy with his wife. He is afflicted with this magic. They only want to cure him they only want to bring rectification in his state they want goodness for him and rectification for his state of affairs and to remove that magic from him so magic when that is done to somebody the intention behind it is to harm that person but this nushrah, that is being done to benefit the person. So that is what Ibn al-Musayyib uh, appears to be saying here, that you are doing that to remove this affliction from him, to remove that harm from him. And so you mentioned that which is beneficial, that isn't prohibited. That which is beneficial, that isn't prohibited. أي أن الشارع جاء بإباحة ما ينفع والتحريم ما يضر that the legislator Allah سبحانه وتعالى has given us allowance and permissibility in that which is of benefit but has made haram that which is harmful so now then what do we have so far at the beginning of this chapter the opening narrations highlighted that the Prophet ﷺ declared nushrah upon the understanding and technique of the way of jahiliyyah as haram. The companions like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud declared it to be haram. From the great imams you see like Al-Imam Ahmed declaring it to be haram. Then we come to this narration of Qatada from Ibn al-Musayyib. And we see that he is asked about that scenario, a person who's afflicted, etc. Can you do the nushra? He says, you can do it, no problem. Your intention is to bring about rectification in that person. So now it appears as though we have two evidences or two statements. Because this isn't really a case of evidences. One is only the statement of the tabi'een and the other one we have... Statement of the Prophet and the companions. But nevertheless, we have statements and we have this issue now where there are opposite types of statements in it. How can it be that Ibn al-Musayyib 
He's saying it's okay. When the Prophet ﷺ made it haram, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud declared it haram, how can Ibn Musayyib be saying it's okay? Now we're going to come to that, because you will now see then, there are different forms or techniques of the removal of magic. There is the technique of the people of Jahiliyyah of that time, using the shayateen, basically removing magic by using other magic. That is impermissible. But Ibn al-Musayyib, Ibn al-Musayyib is talking about the removal of magic using the halal means and techniques, which we're going to come to from the ruqya and the recitation of the Qur'an and other affairs of that nature. So then we have, وَرُوِيَ عَنِ الْحَسَنِ الْحَسَنِ الْبَصْرِ أَنَّهُ قَالْ لَا يُحَلُّ السِّحْرِ إِلَّا سَاحِرِ that Al-Hasan Al-Basri, one of the great Tabi'een also, he said magic cannot be cured, cannot be removed, cannot be opened up, except by a magician. هَذَا يَتَّفِقْ مَعَ الْحَدِيثِ وَمَعَ قَوْلِ بْنِ مَسْعُودِ وَيَخْتَلِفْ مَعَ قَوْلِ بْنِ الْمُسَيِّبِ this statement of Al-Hasan al-Basri that magic can only be repelled and removed by a magician. That is in accordance to what the messenger said, that it's impermissible to do that. That's what they used to do. They used to bring their magicians, use the shayateen to remove the magic of somebody else with their magic. That's what Al-Hasan al-Basri is saying, that this nushra only happens with the magicians, magic by magic. They remove this magic by that magic. That's what he seems to be indicating. So it seems to agree with and be in conformity with the statement of the messenger that Nushra is impermissible. And the statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, it's impermissible. Because as he says, it's only the magicians who come and do that. They remove the first magic with their second magic. But then Ibn al-Qayyim said, قال ابن القيم النشرة حل السحر عن المسحور وهي نوعان It is to remove the magic from the one who the magic has been done to and it is two types. There are two forms, two types of nushra of the removal of the magic from the one who has been afflicted. جمع ابن القيم رحمه الله بين هذا الحديث وهذه الآثار في كتابه زاد المعاد. There is a famous book by Ibn al-Qayyim, Zad al-Ma'ad. The provisions for the hereafter. Zad means your provisions. Al-Ma'ad, where you're going to return to the afterlife. The provisions for the afterlife. A famous book of Ibn al-Qayyim. In that book, he combined between these various narrations uh, 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 and statements that exist regarding nushra and the permissibility and impermissibility of it. And he said, قال, It's two types. One of the two types is حَلٌ بِسِحْرٍ مِثْلِهِ Removing that magic by using magic like it. Removing the magic by using other magic equivalent to it. وَهُوَ الَّذِي 
min amal shaytan and that type is of course from the workings of the shaytan that type is of course from the shaytan wa alayhi yuhmal qawlul hasan and upon that type is how you apply and understand the statement of al hasan al basri that this can only be removed and cured by a magician himself meaning that nushra of jahiliya that they used to bring a magician to do more magic to remove the first magic that's the type that al hasan al basri was talking about يعني في قوله السابق لا يحل لا يحل السحر إلا ساحر that the magic cannot be removed except by a magician لا يحل السحر إلا ساحر وقصده and his intention is that magic can only be removed by magic equivalent to it وهذه هي النشرة التي سئل عنها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم and that is the type of nushra that the messenger was talking about when he said that it's impermissible. قوله فيتقرب الناشر والمنتشر إلى الشيطان بما يحب الناشر هو الذي يعمل النشرة والمنتشر هو الذي تعمل له النشرة The nashir, the one doing the nushra, doing the, the process and the techniques to remove the magic and the muntashar, the one who you are removing it from. The one removing it and the one who it's being removed from. They both, in that impermissible form of the activity, they both seek closeness to the shayateen. كُلٌّ مِنْهُمَا الْمَرِيضُ وَالسَّاحِرُ يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَىٰ الشَّيْطَانِ بِمَا يُحِبُّهُ فَيَخْضَعَانِ لَهُ They submit themselves to the shaytan. And they do whatever the shaitan requests and requires of them. The one removing the magic, who himself is using magic, and the one who it's being removed from, they both need to submit to the shayateen for that form of nushra from jahiliya to work. And so they obey him. In what they obey the shaitan, in what the shaitan wants from them in terms of kufr and disbelief in Allah, المحرمات, and what the shaitan wants from them in terms of doing the haram. And so when they do that, this new magician now, with the help of the shaitan now, after they've submitted to him, will then do his magic to remove the initial and first magic that had been done to that person. لِأَنَّ السِّحْرَ مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ وَذَلِكَ فِي مُقَابِلْ إِفْسَادِ دِينِهِمْ وَعَقِيدَتِهِمْ فَهَذَهُ الْمَمْنُوعَ So that magic it is from the workings of the shaytan, and so you only get that help and support from the shaytan uh, by allowing uh, corruption to occur in your religion, in your aqidah, by submitting to the shayateen and doing as they require of you. فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِمَنْ أَصَابَهُ أَنْ يَذْهَبَ إِلَى It is therefore impermissible, haram, for a person who has been afflicted by magic to go and seek others who can do magic to remove the first magic. Impermissible for him to seek that. لِأَنَّهُ إِذَا ذَهَبَ إِلَى 
فإنه حين إذن يتقرب إلى الشيطان بما يحب if he goes to other magicians then he has to submit himself to the shayateen too it's not just this other new magician who has to submit to the shaytan to make it work the person who wants the cure himself also has to submit to the shayateen for it to work so then the shaytan removes that initial magic that had been done to that person but only after he has caused corruption in the aqidah of that person, in the religion of that person, and so that person has lost in this world and in the afterlife. That's one type. That is the type the messenger said is haram. That is the type Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu mentioned is haram. That is the type Imam Ahmad said, I don't know what this is, what's going on. Haram, not allowed. That is the type. The second, and that is the type Al-Hasan al-Basri was talking about. The second type now that Qatada was talking about, narrating from Ibn al-Musayyib, that it's okay, you can do it. The second type, that's this one now. Al-Thani, Al-Imam ibn Qayyim, Al-Thani, Al-Nushrah bil-Ruqiyah, والتعوذات والأدوية والدعوات المباحة فهذا جائز doing the nushrah the removal of the magic from the one afflicted with ruqya and ta'awudhat ruqya the recitation of the Quran doing the different du'as etc ruqya and ta'awudhat seeking refuge in Allah with certain du'as and uh, supplications and ayat of the Quran and al-adwiyah, uh, actual medicines, certain forms of medicines, wad-da'wat, and other general supplications and du'as that are permissible. Using those things to try and remove this magic, that is permissible. That is permissible, using ruqya and seeking refuge in Allah and supplicating to Him, and using uh, certain forms of medicines, physical, actual medicines, along with those applications, that is permissible. أي النوع الثاني من النشرة هذا جائز. And that is the removal of a sihr بغير السحر مما أباحه الله عز وجل. Removing magic by other forms of duas and ruqya and supplications, not magic. Removing magic using other than magic. Using the halal means of ruqya and dua and supplication. فَاللَّهُ مَا أَنزَلَ دَاءً إِلَّا أَنزَلَ لَهُ دَوَاءً عَلِمَهُ مَنْ عَلِمَهُ وَجَهِلَهُ مَنْ جَهِلَهُ There is not a disease that Allah has revealed except that He gave a medicine for it, a cure for it. Those who know it, know it, and those who do not, do not. وَالسِّحَرُ دَاءٌ وَلَا بُدَّ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَنزَلَ لَهُ شِفَاءٌ وَالرُّقْيَةَ الْمُبَاحَةَ أَنْوَعَةً So magic is a form of illness. It is a form of disease that occurs to the person then. And so, no doubt, there will be a cure that Allah has revealed for it. Those who know it, know it, and those who do not, do not. So what are the forms of ruqiyah that can be done? النوع الأول 
من الرقية المباحة حل السحر بالرقية بأن يقرأ على المسحور من كتاب الله عز وجل فتقرأ عليه الفاتحة التي هي أعظم الرقى ويقرأ عليه الآيات التي تتعلق بذكر السحر وإبطاله So when doing ruqya upon somebody who is afflicted with magic, recite upon them from the book of Allah. Recite upon them the Fatiha, which is the greatest form of ruqya, the recitation of Al-Fatiha. And recite upon them the ayat in the Qur'an that talk about magic and the nullification of magic. There are ayat when it comes to Musa alayhi salam and what happened and how the magic was destroyed. Those ayat in the Quran, in various chapters that talk about magic and the destruction of that magic, the nullification of that magic, those ayat are recited. And the Shaykh quotes some of them here, gives some of the examples in Surah Al-A'raf, Surah Yunus, uh, Surah Taha, in different ayat of the Quran, those ayat that talk about magic and the magic being quashed and destroyed. There's the examples about Musa alayhi salam. Uh, a lot of them are examples regarding that issue of Musa alayhi salam destroying the magicians. So those are from the ayat in Al-A'raf. You can look there in Taha. You can look there in Yunus. You can look there. There are stories or ayat talking about the story of Musa alayhi salam and the nullification and destruction of the magic of the magicians. So those are all types of ayat that can be read upon the one who is afflicted with magic as a form of ruqya. However, with ruqya and with dua and dhikr generally, many people they say, but I read the dua and yet still this happened and that happened. I read my nighttime adhkar, adhkarul masa, but still this happened to me and that happened to me. I read adhkarul masa, but still this happened to me and that happened to me. Many people, they say that. The scholars, they say, the recitation of these duas, the recitation of your morning remembrances, the evening adhkar, after the prayers, dua generally, ruqya, all of it, for it to have the real impact, it must be recited with a focused heart, that you are focused on the words that you are reading. Not that you come and do your nighttime adhkar, your supplications, and your mind is somewhere else and you've memorized it and you're just reading it off. Just reading it off like a, like a routine. Just a routine. You're just reading it off, not even thinking about the words you're reading and the meanings of them. As a routine nighttime, you're just reading the words off and then you're going to go to sleep. That isn't the way. The purpose of the adhkar is that you have focus and understanding on the words that you are reading. So you recite Ayatul Kursi before you go to sleep. But that isn't just a routine. A person just recites it as he goes to bed. He isn't even thinking about it. The meanings of it. The names of Allah. Five of the names of Allah in Ayatul Kursi. Over 20 attributes of Allah mentioned in Ayatul Kursi. And a person has no understanding or recognition of any of that. Just as a routine reads it off, doesn't even really recognize what he's talking about or reading, then your impact and your effect is not going to be the same. The impact and the effect of the adhkar is that a person does them with a heart that is in place, 
focused, understanding what you're reading. And the same with Ruqya. You could have somebody come and do Ruqya. And he's reciting all these ayat. But he's not even focused on what he's saying. He's not focused on the meaning of those ayat. He's reading the ayat about Musa salam and the destruction of the magic of the magicians. But he's not even focused on that. It's just a routine. Okay, this ayah, then I've got to do that one, then that one. Like a routine, he's just reading it off. Then the impact and the effect will not be there. For the impact and effect to work, you must have a full heart of trust in Allah. Absolute conviction. And that's what you do when you make dua. When you make dua to Allah, as it mentions in the hadith, have absolute conviction. Absolute dependence and trust in Allah when you make that dua. Not with a half-hearted attempt. Not half-heartedly, probably not even going to work, but let's just read the ayat. Then it won't work. In that kind of instance, if that's the way you do it, you don't have trust in Allah, you don't have dependence, you don't have that tawakkul, you think, well, there's no real chance it's going to work, it's not going to do anything, but let's just read it. That is a, it's a great deficiency in the tawheed of that person. When you do this, you do it knowing that this is an absolute method mentioned in the sunnah for the cure of this person. That you're reciting the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You understand their meanings. And you understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the control of everything. And that this illness or whatever affliction occurred to this person by the decree of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can likewise remove it in an instance. Like in the hadith where it mentions Allah laughs at a person. A person who is in absolute misery and depression, not knowing that around the corner it has been decreed for him absolute happiness and joy. And that person doesn't know. That person doesn't know he's in his depression, in his sadness, in his grief, and this is happening to me, and that is happening to me. And he mentions how Allah is amazed or laughs at this individual, knowing that his affliction is about to be removed from him, and joy is about to be brought to him, and yet that servant doesn't recognize that. So a person does the ruqya, does these supplications, adhkar, with conviction and understanding and focus. That is how the impact works. يَقْرَأُهَا الرَّاقِي عَلَى الْمَسْحُورِ بِقَلْبٍ حَاضِرٍ وَتَوَكُّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَحُسْنُ ظَنٍ بِاللَّهِ وَاعْتِقَادَنَّ اللَّهَ يَشْفِي هَذَا الْمَرِيْبِ so not only the person doing the ruqya, he could be absolutely upon everything we just said, but even the person who the ruqya is being done to, he must have conviction that this will cure him, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cure him. If he's only half-hearted, what's the point? Uh, he's going to do the ruqya, he's not going to do anything. If he's like that himself, then again, you are reducing the possibility of the impact and effect. He himself must have absolute trust that this will certainly, certainly, by the permission of Allah, have an effect and bring about cure for him. فَعَلَى الْمُقْرِئِ أَنْ يَعْتَقِدَ هَذِهِ الْعَقِيدَ فَيَرْجُ الشِّفَاءِ مِنَ اللَّهِ 
puts his absolute trust in Allah absolute dependence and trust in Allah and he has absolute belief that the speech of Allah within it there is a cure فَإِذَا حَصَلَ هَذَا التَّوَجُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالتَّوَكُّلْ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الرَّاقِ وَالْمَرْقِ حَصَلَتْ النَّتِيجَ بِلَا شَكْ وَلَا If the one doing the ruqya and the one who it's being done to, they both have their absolute iman and conviction and tawakkul upon Allah, then you will see the impact and the effect of it without doubt, the Shaykh says. You will see that cure without doubt. وَإِنَّمَا تَتَخَلَّفُ النَّتِيجَ إِذَا تَخَلَّفَ اِعْتِقَادُ الْإِنسَانِ أَوْ وَفَلَ أَنْ ذَلِكَ The only reason, or, 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 or from the reasons that the impact is not seen after the ruqya is because of either their conviction and belief isn't there or they are being negligent. That they're not focused during that time when the ayat are being read the one who it's being done upon isn't focusing on those ayat and considering their meanings, his mind is somewhere else. Or the one reading isn't fully focused on what he's doing. If there's a lack of focus, a lack of a wholehearted attempt, then that will also impact on whether you see the results or not. That's one thing you can do from the permissible types in ruqya. The second, anu'thani bitta'awudat. وهي الأدعية التي وردت عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فإننا نذكر بعضا منها Here the Shaykh is going to mention some of the du'as Some of the du'as that can be recited and read From them أعيذك بكلمات الله التامات من شر ما خلق That I seek refuge for you in the perfect and complete words of Allah From the evil of what he created عيذك بكلمات الله التامة من كل شيطان وهامة ومن كل عين لامة. Another one of the versions that I seek refuge or for you that I seek the refuge in Allah for you in the perfect and complete words of Allah from every شيطان and every هامة. Meaning uh, the poisonous animals from the sting and the the, the bite of the poisonous animals. أن أعيذك بكلمات التامات التي لا يجاوزهن بر ولا فاجر من شر ما من شر ما خلق وذرأ وبرأ ومن شر طوارق الليل والنهار إلا طارق يطرق بخير يا رحمن. There's multiple du'as here that the Sheikh mentions uh, from the different forms, and you can find those collected often in small books or pamphlets. Uh, Sheikh Bin Baz has one. The ruqya, how to do it, all the different du'as in there, all the different ayat in there. So you can always find somewhere where all of these are mentioned. Some of them may even be in the fortress of the Muslim in books like that. Some of them you'll probably find them in there as well. And many of these du'as as well, they are general du'as that you recite upon somebody who is generally just ill as well. The same kind of du'as. So some of these will be in the fortress of the Muslim also. But the point here is the second type of permissible nushrah is using the du'as and the supplications and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for refuge. The third type, permissible medicines. Medicine, actual, actual medicine, using some type of medicine. 
There are medicines, actual medicines, by way of which Allah may decree for that magic to be removed. Those with experience in this field will know what certain types of medicines they help for the one who is afflicted with magic. Along with, the medicine isn't something exclusive that you do by itself, along with the ruqya, along with the duas and the supplications, and qira'at al-Qur'an, recitation of the Qur'an, فَإِذَا اجْتَمَعَتْ هَذِهِ الْأُمُورَ الْمُبَاحَةِ نَفَعَ اللَّهُ بِهَا So if all of these things are combined, the ruqya and the duas and the permissible actual medicines that the people of experience know in regards to the curing of magic, if all of those things come together, then by the permission of Allah, you will see the benefit. لَكِنْ but you must have that conviction in your aqidah that the cure is certainly from Allah and Allah will cure you. فالحاصل أن النشرة كما ذكر ابن القيم منها شيء محرم وهي النشرة التي كانت تعمل في الجاهلية وهي ما يعمل صحرة ومنها شيء مباح وهي النشرة الشرعية لكن يشترط لها أن يتولاها من يوثق بعلمه ودينه لأن لا أن يتولاها أصحاب المطامع الدنيوية أو المشعوذين الذين يفسدون عقائد الناس ويرهبونهم بالكذب والتدجيل So the conclusion is Nushra, removing magic and curing it from somebody afflicted is two types. The type from Jahiliyyah, which in a nutshell is removing the magic by using other magic, haram. Because then you have to submit to the shayateen again. And the second form, removing that magic with the permissible means of ruqya, recitation of the Qur'an upon that person, the, the du'as and supplications, seeking refuge in Allah from the evils, and actual medicines, certain medicines that are known to the people of experience in that field of magic and curing magic to use those affairs they are the permissible types and that is what ibn al-musayyib was talking about the permissible forms this is what he is referring to he's not referring to the nushra of jahiliyyah that brings us to the end of that particular chapter Inshallah ta'ala from next week Babu ma jaa So that brings us to the chapter next week regarding omens regarding the Friday the 13th regarding the black cat regarding the smashed mirror the walking under the ladder all of those things they come into these chapters coming up now Inshallah ta'ala from next week Any questions or anything to add uh-huh. So that's what we're saying. The cure of magic and the nullification of it, is it considered nushra? Then you can say yes from the permissible form of it. 
يعني النوع الثاني النوع الجائز لا قصدي انا ابدا ان في بعض الناس يدعون من معرفتهم بمكان السحر ثم يخرجونه يخرجونه كيف؟ يعرفون مكانه يخرجونه ثم يقول يدعون انه يحلونه بالقران الكريم وبالماضي شيء من ذلك يعني Okay, but how do they find it? You know, some people they say, you know, like if they're not. Yeah, for example, in Libya, they No, no, it's not because even when the uh, so he's mentioning that some of them in the graves and those kinds of areas, you sometimes find knots tied up and these kind of things where magic has been done and blown into it, as we mentioned a while back. So then to find that and open up those knots and to remove those knots, that is a permissible form. Because the Prophet ﷺ, when the magic was cured from him, there was the opening up of the knots. So that is permissible. If they find those knots and, the, uh, and they open up those knots and they remove that, that is permissible, that is allowed. Mm. Anybody else? What time is the other? Uh, 39. 39, oh. Those people do magic. They have uh, too much knowledge. As well, uh, knowledgeable people as well, like Christians and Jewish, you know, all they do magic. When uh, they, they they know something, like you know, the, when you know something, you should tell the person. But they know something. Uh, lot, they haven't lost knowledge yet, but they don't tell as well. So they have uh, like uh, telling lie, stack of lying as well. Hmm? This uh, uh, say again. You know, if they have knowledge. They have a knowledge. They know something. Mm. Go, they go cured, and they go. They, what, what they done to the person? The one who's done the magic. Yeah, mm. the people who do magic. So they, uh, it's like a type of lying as well. They're hiding something, like hiding knowledge as well. Same time they're doing magic, but at the same time they're hiding knowledge as well from the knowledge of what? To uh, other person can get cured with that same magic thing they done. You know, they, they, okay, yeah. but what's the point? Point is, it was like this. They have a, like it's like the extra sin, like you know, when you hide. You know, They've got the sin of kufr and shirk. What yeah. more sin do they want now? <laughs> no, no, no. This doesn't. The magicians, magicians are upon kufr and shirk. What's that got to do with them? They're upon kufr and shirk when they're doing their magic and they're doing their sorcery. The fact that they are concealing the fact that they can cure that person—that's irrelevant now. They're their crime is far greater than anything, uh, than hiding knowledge or concealing anything. And that isn't the reality of the knowledge that's been spoken about. That's about the knowledge of Islam and the religion. But these people have committed a crime that is far greater than any of those things anyway. Mm. There's no other sin after kufr. If you've committed kufr and shirk, then any other sin is, is always under that anyway. Mm. Yeah, so there is a, a statement of some of the scholars and the discussion exists that perhaps Ibn al-Musayyib, when he was saying it's no problem, Labas was actually talking about using certain types or techniques that are from the form that we were saying is haram and impermissible. There is a discussion about that and it does exist. But the majority of the scholars, they've... 
come to the conclusion on the on the on the whole that the meaning is that it's impermissible and we can understand Ibn al-Musayyib's uh, statement upon the permissible form. That's how Ibn al-Qayyim explained it and that is the more sound explanation of it. Yes, that discussion exists, but it doesn't exist here in this kind of setting. Anybody else? Ah, oh, here. Is it sinful to sleep and play Quran, specifically Surah Al-Baqarah at night? You know, the recitation of the Qur'an uh, and Surah Al-Baqarah for the preservation of the house and to keep the shayateen away, it's not about playing it on a device. Those narrations about reciting Surah Al-Baqarah because the shayateen, uh, they cannot handle it. La yastati'uha al-batala, the qira'atu Surah Al-Baqarah. That's reciting it yourselves, not playing it on a device. As Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, that's his fatwa. He said, no, it's not about playing it on a device. When you play it on a device, then the, the voice comes out of that device as an electronic, digital, whatever the technology. But there is no niyyah behind that. There is no intention behind that. That recitation isn't being done with the recorder or the, the, the phone making an intention that this is, I, I'm, I'm playing this for protection from the shayateen in the house. There's no intention involved from that player. And that's why the Shaykh said, you can't just record the Adhan and then at, uh, just set your the timers and technology and at the time of the, the Adhan, you just play it from that recording that the Mu'addin made. Impermissible because that recording has no intention and Adhan is an act of worship. So it's not about just playing it. Yes, you can play it just to listen to it generally, etc. But those narrations about preservation of the house, you need to be reciting it. But playing the Qur'an generally to listen to it, nothing wrong with that. Playing it at night and you listen to it as you fall asleep, nothing wrong with that. If you're focused on it again, you're listening to it, listening to the ayat. And some of the scholars, they said, that's okay. Listen to it as you're in, the, in bed at night, for example, just before you sleep. Which is the correct opinion regarding reciting Surah Al-Fatiha during Salah in congregation behind the Imam, reciting quietly behind the Imam or listen silently? So the recitation of Al-Fatiha behind the Imam, the recitation of Al-Fatiha. When you pray, this issue, we've spoke about it before in other places. When uh, this topic of do you have to recite Al-Fatiha behind the Imam or not? There are three circumstances when you are praying. Remember it like this is a simple way. There are three circumstances when you are praying. One, you are praying as the Imam. Two, you are praying as somebody in the congregation behind the Imam, the Ma'moom. And three, you are praying by yourself. Maybe you're praying Sunnah, Tahrir al-Masjid or something. So three circumstances where you can be praying, either as the Imam or as the Ma'moom in congregation being led by the Imam. Or by yourself, some prayer by yourself. If you're praying by yourself, Munfaridan, or you're praying as the Imam, then there is no difference of opinion. You must recite Al-Fatiha in every rak'ah. The only difference of opinion is in that scenario when you are the Ma'moom being led by the Imam. Now do you have to recite it or not? 
So you could say there is of course one opinion that says لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب وبأم الكتاب There is no prayer for the one who does not recite the Fatiha behind the Imam. And the Shaykh Saudi will tell you the fatawa of the Saudi scholars and most of the scholars these days that the fatwa is you must recite it. لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب No prayer for the one who does not recite the Fatiha. That's one opinion. So they say you've got to recite it every rak'ah behind the Imam. Even if he's reciting it, he's reading it out loud, you can hear him, you have to recite it too. The second opinion they say, that if the Imam is leading you in prayer, you don't have to recite it. And they have narrations like Qira'atul Imam, Qira'atul Law. The recitation of the Imam covers the person praying behind him. So they say, there you go, it covers you. You're being led by the Imam, he's reading it, that covers you as well then. In those two opinions, if you take the opinion you must recite it, then when do you recite Put your hand up if you take the opinion you must recite it. Nobody, mashallah. So, when do you recite it then? The Imam is leading the prayer, when do you recite Al-Fatiha if you take the opinion you must? Salat al-Sirr. No, uh, let's say first in the, in the, uh, the Jahri, all of the prayers. Uh, in Al-Maghrib now. Maghrib uh, uh, now. Imam's going to lead the prayer in a few minutes, inshallah. And he's going to recite out loud. When are you going to recite your Fatiha if you take the opinion you must recite Fatiha? After he finishes. But after he finishes, he's going to recite some surah from the Qur'an. Okay, wait, wait. But now first you said afterwards. Okay, so after each ayah. So the Imam says, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. You say, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. You say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. After every ayah, you say your part. But what if the Imam, sometimes, mashaAllah, some of the imma, one breath, all of the Fatiha. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, all the way to the end. You, you get no break. So then where do you recite it? Maybe at the end. When he says, Wallahalleen, Ameen, now you say, Alhamdulillah, and you start reciting. But if you do that, then the Imam is going to be reciting some other part of the Quran now, and it means you are not listening to him. So then now when are you going to recite it? Sometimes they leave a gap in the middle. Sometimes they do, but some Imams, like I said, MashaAllah, one breath, the whole of Fatiha. Then what are you going to do? Same speed as the Imam with him. But that, so if you, the problem is with that opinion, there's uh, not, not a problem, but one issue with that opinion is there is no fixed time that you recite it. There is nothing established. A Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al Abbad takes the opinion you have to recite it. But he said that issue does exist. There's nothing established 100%. When you recite it, if the Imam implements the Sunnah, recites ayah by ayah as the Prophet ﷺ used to do, then okay, you could do it after each ayah as you go along, maybe. But that's that opinion. The second opinion, the Imam's recitation covers you anyway, so you don't have to recite. There's another opinion, the opinion of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. He said, in the loud prayers, the Imam's recitation does cover you because you can hear the recitation, you can hear. Him saying, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, all of the Fatiha. So it covers you. But in the quiet prayers, you cannot hear the Imam 
reciting the Fatiha, so then you do have to recite it. So that's maybe a more in the middle kind of approach. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan said about this approach, That maybe this is the most just or balanced of the opinions. In the loud prayers you don't have to recite it, in the quiet prayers you do. But, Al-Ahwat, no doubt the most safest opinion, the safest would be to recite it. That's the Ahwat. And uh, uh, what they mean by Al-Ahwat is that when you have an, a difference of opinion, if you take an opinion that no scholar can refute you over, then you've taken the safe opinion. So if you recite Al-Fatiha, the scholars who say you're not supposed to, they will just say you've done something wrong in your prayer, but your prayer is valid. They'll say you should have been listening to the Imam reciting, you shouldn't have been competing with him, but they'll say your prayer is valid. But if you don't recite it, the others aren't going to say any of that. They're going to say your prayer is invalid. Mm-hmm. So the safe opinion, the ahwat, is to read it. But the opinion of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Shaykh Fawzan said, appears to be a balanced opinion. So you have uh, all those issues there. But then all the other issues come in as well. If you take the opinion that you must recite al-Fatiha, and then you come in and the imam is in ruku' and you catch the ruku' You catch him in the ruku'ah, adrakt al-ruku'ah. But have you caught that raka'ah? But you believe that you must recite Fatiha. Did you recite Fatiha? No. So then have you got that raka'ah or must you repeat that one? No, you already have it. How? Man adrak al-ruku'ah, faqad adrak al-salah. Tayyib al-Fatiha. La salata liman lam yaqra' bi al-kitab. So upon the opinion that you have to recite it, if you catch the prayer in the in the ruku'ah, then according to some of them, they say you've missed that raka'ah. You've missed it because you didn't recite al-Fatiha. But others like a Shaykh al-Ithameen who takes the opinion you must recite al-Fatiha, but he says if you catch the prayer in the ruku'ah, you've caught the raka'ah as an exception. As an exception. And they'll use the same evidences on both sides. The hadith of Abu Bakrah. Not Abu Bakr, Abu Bakrah. Another one of the companions. One time he came to the mosque and the, Imam, uh, the Prophet ﷺ was in ruku'ah. And he came, the door was at the back. And Masjid al-Nabawi, the door was at the back. And the messenger praying at the front, he came in from the back and saw that they were all in ruku'ah. 
So from the back, as soon as he walked in, he said, Allahu Akbar. And he went into Ruku'ah. And he's at the back over there and the rows are here. Then from the back, he walked to the row in Ruku'ah. So that he doesn't miss the Ruku'ah. So then at the end of the prayer, the Prophet said to him, May Allah increase you in your enthusiasm, but do not repeat that. But what does it mean, do not repeat that? We'll get to that in a minute. In that narration though, did the Prophet tell him to repeat the prayer? Or to repeat one more rak'ah? So that means he caught the rak'ah. He didn't tell him to repeat the rak'ah, so he caught it. But what does it mean, Zadakallahu hirsan wa la ta'ud? That's what some of them say. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's what most of them say. There is another riwayah, though, or, or the, the, uh, the, the way that you pronounce it. Zadakallahu hirsan wa la ta'du. Which means... He was late and he ran to the mosque. So the messenger was saying to him, But don't run to the mosque. Mm. So what he had actually done going into Ruku'ah wasn't the issue. And he caught the rak'ah. But the messenger was telling him, don't run. So uh, there are some explanations like that. But Shaykh Al-Thameen says that can be used as an evidence that it's an exception. Your, your uh, uh, rak'ah is caught even though you missed the Fatiha. But the other scholars will use that as an evidence to say, you don't have to recite the Fatiha. That why are you saying it's an exception? Just say you don't have to recite it. He came in, he caught the Ruku'ah, and the messenger never told him to repeat it. So simple. The Fatiha is obviously not a Rukan. That is an obligation for the Raka'ah to be counted. So again, you can use that in both ways. We'll stop on that for today then. The prayer is here. Inshallah, next week with that next chapter regarding omens. Inshallah.